You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're going to introduce you to John Twyman, who is a church planter who will be joining us here at CCC this summer. So as you know, we as a church have a goal that over the next 30 years, we will plant 60 churches in and around Northeast Ohio through Orchard NEO. John is a church planter who's going to jump on with us this summer. Really excited about John and the way the Lord has worked in his life and want you all to hear about it as well. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. All right, welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got Zach Wyrock with me, and then also John Twyman, who is one of our church planters who's coming in this summer. Uh, John, great to have you. You guys know, as a church, we've set a goal to plant 60 churches by the year 2050. We're su- super excited about what the Lord is doing and as far as church planting goes, and, and John's going to be joining as a part of that. So uh, we were just talking about this before the uh, we started recording, but you kind of ended up here in a different way than maybe the typical way a church planter ends up. You know, we want to hear your story, but maybe start with kind of that connection through, uh, as we say, friend of the show, Lou Holmes, who introduced you to us. But uh, maybe walk us through kind of where you were and how you ended up getting connected here with uh, Orchard. Thank you guys for having me on the show today. Uh, Lou Holmes is one of my closest friends. Me and him have known each other since probably first or second grade. Uh, we played high school basketball together. If you if he listening, I'm probably the better player. Whoa, uh, let's go. That's, All I'm right. just playing. No, Lou is the man. Like Lou, Lou is one of the greatest you, players. D1 ball player. He's Lou. a D1 yeah. ball player. And, and it's funny because when we were in high school, uh, I got my stats up by simply grabbing rebounds and throwing them to Lou because he was going to always make the shot. So uh, (laughs) Lou is kind of my introduction to uh, Christ Community Chapel. A few years ago, he invited me to come hear Chris Broussard uh, Uh speak at a men's event that you guys had. And at that event, I met (laughs) Richard White. And and so from there, we kind of just garnered a relationship, uh, not really having much conversation, but just kind of, you know, occasionally here and there, hey, how you doing? Uh, And starting in January... Uh, I resigned from the job that I had mm-hmm. as the assistant pastor of the Blessed Hope Missionary Baptist Church, where my father is the founding pastor and the senior pastor. And my and we'll come back to that because that's an yeah. incredible story. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. So, so I, I planned on uh, actually being the pastor there, uh, transitioning to that role, and it just didn't work out in that way. And uh, we'll come back to it. And yeah. so, in January, I resigned uh, after much struggle and much prayer, and the Lord kind of pushing me towards planting. And yeah. so. Uh, I made an announcement that we were planning a church, uh, and out of nowhere, I got a launch team together. Uh, people started volunteering, and then around February or March, I got a contact from Lou. He called me and said, hey, I know you're planting now, and my church has a church planting program. I want you to talk to Richard again, because maybe you guys, uh, he may be able to help you in yeah. some type of way. And at that time, I had no idea about the Orchard program, what all it would entail, uh, any of it. I just thought, okay, this is another resource and somebody else that has been on this journey that yeah. maybe I can talk to uh, to kind of hear about what's going on. And so long story short, uh, a part of what we are doing with my launch team is we have a schedule that we've been following where we meet together for prayer and for worship on the first and second Sunday. The third Sunday of every month, we are going out to visit other churches so we can kind of learn from them and glean from them. And then the fourth Sunday, we've been going out and doing community service. And so uh, the third Sunday a few months ago, uh, Christ Community Chapel was on our list of churches that we wanted to see, of people that we thought were doing things with excellence, that were doing things at a high level, that we thought that we may be able to emulate one day. And so showed up for a service. Uh, Zach preached after service. I just happened to introduce myself and say, hey, I'm a church planner. I brought my church plant. We enjoyed your service. 
And uh, I'm praying that one day I get to talk to somebody here about how I can communicate about learning more about church planning. And Zach said, wait, that's me. You're supposed to talk to me. Yeah. And I'm like, Emma? <laughs> and so from that conversation, uh, it moved from kind of on the peripheral to, hey, this is what the program is, and you may be somebody yeah, that's interested in this. Yeah. yeah, and then it was scarier and weird because I didn't uh, – a lot of the things that – Normally, what happened within the program, I kind of was already advanced past that. Uh-huh. Uh, normally, things like picking a name or having a mission, vision, or, vision yeah. name. Yeah. Uh, we got, we have merchandise. You got already, swag, right? For right? Yeah, you know, so, still waiting some of that to come my way. Some in the car. Good. And so, all of those things were uh, things that we already had, had done. Uh, I'm a student at Dallas Theological Seminary, and so over the last few years, uh, every class that I take has kind of have pushed me towards. Uh, just a different level in a different area in ministry. And so last year, I was doing strategic planning for the church that I thought I was taking over. And one of the things that I originally talked to them about was that we wanted to be a church planning church. And so the church that I'm planting now kind of birthed from that vision of this would be the first church that I would plant. Um, And then over time, it just became, this is going to be the church that we're planting. And so this is where we're at today. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say uh, two things come to my mind from my side of, of that story of, of meeting John on a Sunday and then meeting him for breakfast and talking through the program is, you know, um, there's just, the, you know, I always tell people church planning is is a people business. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is fundamentally about meeting people, caring for people, talking to people about Jesus and discipling people. And uh, John has this, I, this is probably coming through on the podcast, this incredible... Uh, magnetism that you know oh, is a gift you. from God. It's just a you, you just you want to be around him, and I think you you believe he can do it. You, you know, I always say the church planner has to be able to win the living room because I think a lot of church planners can paint a compelling vision of a church, but you don't necessarily think they can do it. <laughs> you know, like that's a good idea for some other guy. I think John is one of those guys where you're like. Hey, this guy. Zach, you don't like, have to look at me when you say. No, that. I wasn't. No, I was looking around the room. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I was. So, so a just realizing, man, this this the Lord is at at work in this guy's life, and then and then b just in God's providence that we kind of met you in just the right moment, right? I think yeah. if we had met you two months later, you would have said, "Oh man, I wish I'm I'm too far down the road," right? Uh, or if we had met you in December of last year, you would have said. I'm I'm in a role right now. I'm waiting to see how yeah. it fleshes out. You know, we kind of in God's providence is a weird way of saying it because you begin the program ahead of our other planners in terms of timeline. Mm-hmm. You will not. It will probably not take you a year to launch, and you know those things. And 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 but but we met you in almost just the right moment, the sweet it's, spot. It's 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 definitely providential. Yeah. And there's no question. Any of this, like I, 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 this process has helped me to see how providential God really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Lou, Lou Holmes, uh-huh. uh, chairman him, of our deacons, by chairman the way. of the yep. deacon board, Friend right? Yep. So me and me and Lou uh, a few years ago were talking about him getting on your deacon board, yeah, and what that meant for uh, a black man to yep. be on your deacon board, and yep. what that meant for that community. And so me and him had long conversation and prayer about, hey, is this a job and a position that you should go into? Yep. What does that look like? How do you help build bridges? How do you help uh, uh, people to to reconcile and see that? Our differences are minor in comparison to the unity that we find in Christ. And so me and Matt Long talks about that. 
never knowing that this program was even in existence right. and me encouraging him. And so when you say providential first, it's providential that me and Lou played basketball together in high school. It's oh, providential incredible. that our basketball lockers are right next to each other. It's providential that me and him became such close friends that my stats and his stats stayed yeah. in, that in you the could pass for a while. He could shoot. Yeah. And he can shoot. Right. <laughs> it's providential that my free throw percentage was higher than his. Let's in high go. School, right? <laughs> uh, but, but it's all just providential. Uh, from years ago, thinking that that relationship would one day help to facilitate uh, this vision that God has given to me, uh, given to you guys, and those things to come together just at all one time, there it is no coincidence. And this is what me and my mother, uh, my wife, we kind of talk about the fact that we would think that this was coincidental, but this is not coincidence. Yeah. This is God's providence. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the timing of it uh, just simply lined up perfectly. Yeah. Um, I had a job where I was about to become the senior pastor. Yeah, let's go. Let's go right? back a little bit. Let's go yeah. back. So, so John's dad is a a, a big deal on, on the east side of Cleveland. Yeah, the Lord my has father used him is to do a, some incredible things. Yeah, my father is the man. He is like uh, my my hero and my yeah. role model in ministry. Uh, and and and, and he not just started the, the church. What uh, my, my father started a church with four people back in 1985. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, the church has blossomed to having over 4,500 members yep. during his tenure. I've seen thousands of people baptized, oh and he's right pre- in the city. Yeah, yeah, right in the middle of the city. Yep. Uh, he's preached all over the world, literally from Africa to the Virgin Islands mm-hmm. to all over Canada, all over the country. He's been a, a just a major deal. Our our music department at my former church, a major deal. Like. Recording artists come out of our music department. They're just a major deal, and, and I love my former church. But as we were going along the process of transitioning from me being the assistant pastor and going into being the, the senior pastor, I just started to see that uh, the way that I thought mission should be done and vision needed to be carried out today was slightly different than the way that they were what they wanted to do. And and one of the things I always look at is I see my father as a Moses type figure. I heard you mention Moses. Yeah. Um but I feel like I'm Joshua. And 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 Moses is the you know the greatest prophet of all time. Yeah. But Moses' job was to to get the people out of That's Egypt. Right. Whereas Joshua's job was to now train the people to take the promise that's land. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at me and my father, that's kind of what I see, that my father helped so many people to to get off drugs, to get off alcohol, to overcome addiction, all of these bondage-type things that people uh-huh. had came through mm-hmm. when he started the church. Uh, when we first started that church, barely anyone had a car at our church. Mm-hmm. We, we had an old yellow bus, an old mm-hmm. yellow van that... We would sit at church all day long because we had to drop everybody off at home because nobody had cars. <laughs> and now they're college graduates, and now they're yeah. master's degrees and doctorates that have come out of that church. And so that's great. We've gotten out of the bondage portion, but now it's time for us to like take the promised land. And so for me, what, that was the difference. What I love about your story, I mean, what I what I love about it is uh, well, really two things. I mean, one is that um, the that your passion for a particular kind of church, right? A church that is engaging uh, your age group, right, and and younger in the city, a church that is thinking dynamically, uh, not abandoning old doctrine, but maybe old methodology, right, of saying, hey, you were passionate enough about that that you'd walk away from something pretty Uh, comfortable. It's it's Pretty comfortable, right? Because if you had just swallowed that vision, yeah. Right, if you had just said, you know what, I would have kept my job and got a raise. Yeah, let's, right? yeah, I was, I was yeah. months so away. From I that. was struck from the moment I met you and hear, heard your story. 
I was just praising God for, uh, because that's a God vision, right? When you, you're willing to lay down. And, and I think the second thing I'm praising God for is just the sanctification in your own life. Because mm-hmm. look, as pastors, we'd rather preach to a full room than a small room. We'd rather you know have a bigger office than a smaller. I mean, we're, we're people, right? So comfortable church, established church, standing on the shoulders of your dad, family legacy. Yeah. But, but the Lord said to you, John, that's not it. Right, I got yeah, that, in, the, in a similar way to your dad because your dad was such a talented guy that in '85 he could have gone to an established church. Yeah, right. He could have he could have gone the comfortable routes. In some ways, you're following his footsteps of saying, "Hey, I'm going to step out of the comfortable and step into the unknown." Yeah, I, you know it's funny because uh, when I first announced that I was resigning and 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 that I was going to go into this path of planning, you know, a lot of people were like, wait, you can't do this. What about your 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 family's legacy? And I always remind them like, well, I'm I'm my father's legacy. You know, like I'm my grandparents' dream, not just the church building, but me and what I'm doing today. And the fact that I can be bold and be confident in God and, and step out on faith is something that I think uh, more so than me just taking over this place I think that the level of faith that has to be shown to church plant should be the thing that's like, man, you know what? If I hadn't teach my son anything else, mm-hmm. I taught him to have mm-hmm. faith in God. And you're right. I, I see that with my father, my mother, both of my parents, mm-hmm. the fact that they stepped out on faith to plant a church at that time that was uh, pushing boundaries in a way that maybe we're trying to do today um, is amazing. And, and I'm, I'm glad to be able to kind of walk in that same path and follow that legacy. But I'm also glad to be able to establish myself as my own man of God, as mm-hmm. and, and see the vision that God has placed on us today, mm-hmm. uh, because I'm big on contextualization. I believe that you know Jesus came down and wrapped himself up in flesh, but he didn't. He's an eternal God, right? He could have came in Jordans, he could have came in in t-shirts and jeans, but when he came two thousand years ago, he came in sandals, he came in robes because he was contextualized to where mm-hmm. they were at, and he met people where they were at. And one of the things that I see today is, especially in the urban church environment. Many times we don't have strong discipleship programs. We are kind of locked into our tradition in many ways, and we've stopped meeting people where they're at and expecting them to come to where we're at. And that's great, but the numbers are now showing us that people aren't doing that. That's right. And and, and, uh, I hate to say I'm the Browns because the Browns have historically been losers, right? Uh, But I'm an analytics type person. So when I see the numbers that say to me, that people aren't coming to our church doors. Uh, and, and, and where I stay and where my former church is at, there's a church every other block. It's yeah. like church, liquor store, gas yeah. station. And the liquor stores and gas stations are, seem to, they, right, are winning, <laughs> and the churches yeah. just don't seem to be. Yeah. Where there are some churches that are doing really, really well, and I thank God for them, and I pray for all churches that are open. But the fact is uh, there's a major difference between form and function. Mm. And God has given us some functions of the church. So if you got saved on day one or 5,000 years from now, those functions have to remain the same. We have to come together for prayer. We have to come together for fellowship and worship. We have to come together and study the apostles' teachings, right? That's the functions of the church. But the way that we do those things has changed since the very beginning of time. And and sometimes, I I don't want to nerd out on church methodology here, but sometimes, too, it's just a a lack of understanding of church history, because the church has done this for generations, right? So we assume the way we do church is the way it's always been. But actually, if you zoom out and look at 2,000 years, so actually the church 
church has reinvented its me- not its doctrine, not, not its, its doctrine, doctrine, right? But its methodology. Quite, yeah. quite. A, you know, all you think back to Luther saying, "Hey, we got to sing hymns in, in the tune of German drinking songs because that's the music people know." <laughs> At right, the time, right. people freaking out, and all he was doing was going, "Look, if worship is about people pouring out their hearts to God, we got to give them a language in which to do that, right?" To, so, to, to preach to a few hundred people previously, you had to stand on the side of the mountain mm-hmm. or out in the boat, right? We're yeah. on a podcast, and a few yeah. hundred people are going to hear about that's the right. goodness of God from uh-huh. us. So That's we've right. already seen how it changes dynamically in all these ways. And so sometimes we've just kind of made uh, some of these things are sacred to us within our own culture. And I believe those things should be honored. Mm-hmm. Those things should be appreciated. But when you start to take uh, the tradition and make it higher than the the mission of what God has given to us, yeah. then you start to have problems. And I see that in the Western church period, that many times we are now yeah. taking our own traditions and, and equating to them with God's word, yeah. or even worse, equating them with, with salvation and well, all of these things. And I things. think the danger with that is that people end up rejecting the tradition, but never actually considering <laughs> Jesus. They assume right. they've rejected Jesus, but they haven't. They haven't even considered Jesus. They're just rejecting the packaging, right? It's like your kid looking at the wrapping paper and saying, that's ugly wrapping paper, I don't want the present. So forget the wrapping paper. What, what's inside what's is inside, what matters, right? right? And and our fear would be that people aren't even getting a chance to hear or wrestle with the gospel because of the package that that it's in. Well, I want to talk to you about you know just having been immersed in the urban context in Cleveland uh, mm-hmm. for your entire life, particularly in the black church, right? Here we are, a suburban, majority white context church. I just want, wanted to hear you talk a little bit about, I mean, this is something we've been praying about since the beginning of Orchard, is saying, as we look at our map and going, Lord, some of these neighborhoods, they, they don't look like me. Right, they they are predominantly African American or Hispanic or Asian or you know whatever it might be. So we need planters who not just look like the context, but who who understand it from a missionary standpoint, who who understand the culture, understand the language, understand. Uh, I I would imagine when you set out to plant the church, you probably didn't think you were going to be primarily partnered with a white suburban megachurch. So I wonder if you could just talk a little <laughs> bit about like just the picture of the kingdom that is this kind of collaboration uh, working together. Uh, it's funny to me. Uh, this is a podcast, so they haven't seen me yet. I'm sure you'll yeah. post a picture sooner or later, right? Yeah. But I'm a black guy with a, a beard and an afro, right, and yeah. a curly fro. And so, and the name of my church is Revolution Church, right? So when I think about uh, the fact that this partnership came to be, it's another reason I know it has to be providential because yeah. I'm sure uh, from the outside looking in, like, hey, we don't want radical guy with the afro talking about revolution church that may not be the people we want to partner with but the fact is i see god's work and how he's moved providentially through this um when this first started i was skeptical i mean you've had conversations about this yeah and not just me my mother i'm shout out to my mom and my wife right they were skeptical like hey this can't happen this is not a real this doesn't make sense uh, but after conversation with you, after much prayer, after talking to Lou, I was glad that I was able to kind of enter into the program. But when you ask me, uh, one of the things that I talked to Lewis about years ago, when I still thought that I was taking over my former church, was that uh, Christ Community Chapel has resources. And the fact of the matter is, one of the reasons why I wanted and encouraged him to get onto the deacon board when he was praying about it and thinking about it was the fact that I believe that he was someone. Uh, many times we don't understand each other because we don't know each other. And, and I, I see that 
uh, the vast majority of the time, we don't have white friends or black friends. Even when I sp- spoke uh, during the, the interview process, I talked about the fact that sometimes we have friends on the peripheral, but not people we invite to our table to break bread with, right? Um, and so when this first came up, it was like, okay, how will this look? What would that be like? Are we going to be the type of people that can break bread together? Are we going to be kind of separated uh, in, in what we were doing? So I talked to Lou about him being that bridge. And I said, one day I think that you'll be able to be someone to say, hey, look, you know, these churches are doing good work um, because I recognize the fact that you have resources, we have manpower, we have con- the context, we have mm-hmm. uh, the vision and the understanding, right, uh, mm-hmm. the street cred, right? Yep. Like uh, one of the things I, I laugh at is I still have my street cred, right, because uh, these are the people that I'm working with on a daily basis. These are the people that I'm trying to minister to. And so seeing that, um, I talked to him about that years ago. And so then when this came up, it was kind of confirmation of the fact that there are people that have a heart for ministry in, in a different context that may just don't know what to do or may not know how to approach, or even if they do have that skill set, may not be accepted simply That's because right. Right. historically when That's these right. people have come in, it has not been a, a good yeah. thing for our communities, uh, yeah. whether it's here in the States or across the world, yeah. right? And yep. so being able to say first, uh, I have to build relationships with those that don't necessarily look like me. Uh, so I can value trust with you. And once I have trust in you, now I have to be able to leverage the trust that I've already garnered with my community to say, look, this group of people doesn't have any ill intention. They're not trying to harm us. They're not trying to take over. They're not trying to, to steal our vision. They're not trying to force us into the white man's religion. Yeah. These are people that are saying, we see that our, our commonality in Christ and the unity that we have in Christ far outweighs our differences. And so why don't we work together? And where you lack, we can help. And where we lack, yep. you can help. And so that's the great yep. thing about this. I don't feel as if I'm in a program where you guys are just telling me what to do, but this is a partnership. That's right. And, and, and this is a, a partnership of us saying, we have a love for God's kingdom and we want to see Northeast Ohio, we want to see greater Cleveland area be different uh, tomorrow than it was today. And that only starts with us evangelizing the lost and discipling those that know Christ and kind of putting solid church communities in spaces that there just may not be. Yeah, I, you know, I think about God's providence. This this church, Christ Community Chapel, has a uh, now four-decade-long um, record of doing ministry with an open hand. And I think about John the Baptist when he was preaching and and they came up to him and said, what what should we do? And he, and he went through a list of things. And one of the things he said was, if you have two coats, and you find somebody who doesn't have a coat, give them your give them one of your coat, one of your coats, you know. And I think in some ways that's what we're doing is we're saying, hey, the Lord has blessed us with a tremendous amount of resources. We happen to be in an affluent part of Northeast Ohio that with people that the Lord hasn't just blessed, but that He's teaching to be generous. Yeah. And so we want to have a big vision, saying, God, there are probably neighborhoods and communities where the need is great, and the and you have boots on the ground. You have people like John, like Lintrell, uh, who are ready to go. Just connect our resources yeah. to to uh, those people. And one of the things I'm super excited about, uh, and I don't want to presume upon uh, the Lord, but but for both of our planners this year, for Lynn Trail and, and John, one of the things I see in both these guys, well, I'm excited about two things. One is I'm incredibly grateful to both of you to be the first two black planners that we worked with. Because it's one thing for me to say, oh, no, 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 no strings attached. We're going to, but yeah. but I can't put you in touch with another guy, right, who looks like you in a neighborhood like yours who can say, no, he means it. 
you guys are taking us at our word, and I, that's incredible to me, and, uh, and we're not going to let you down. But the second thing is, is both you guys have an apostolic leaning. You know, when I talk to Lynn Trail, his, his heart for the church and the health of the church, and I talk to you, and, and trying to even pin you down on a neighborhood, right? Because you got a heart for the whole city, right? Yeah. And I told you, first time we had breakfast, I said, uh, hey, I don't know if you're going to do just one. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that you might just be wired to be a starter, right? Mm-hmm. And, and almost like a spiritual entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And one of the things I, and I'm excited about, and I want to invite people listening to this podcast to pray about, is not just these two churches, but a movement. Yeah, right, not just these two churches, the movement is but it. a movement across the city in brown neighborhoods, black neighborhoods, right? To see the gospel just explode and do amazing things, as it has for thousands of years in black neighborhoods and brown neighborhoods, which is where often where the gospel's just shooting off like a rocket. I, I, I agree with you 100% about the movement and even uh, the, the connection, like I said, with each other. And you mentioned our names, but even your name, right? Once again, providential. It's providential yeah. that you're in the space that you're in yeah. at the time that we needed you yeah. because it could have been somebody else that doesn't have a heart yeah. for, for planning, leading. And so yeah. that's an amazing thing. When you talk about movement, uh, the word revolution itself is defined as sudden radical activity or movement designed to influence fundamental change in thinking or visualization within organizations or social order. And when we came up with the name Revolution Church, that's what we were thinking about. The fact is, um, within the church, we saw some things that we thought needed to change. And we said, we can sit around for 40 years in the wilderness and fight for change or be the change that we want to see. And so what we decided to do was, hey, let's be that change. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be a radical movement. It may be different than the way other people are doing it, but we want to make sure uh, that we are reaching people that other people just aren't going after. Uh, One of the things I hear about a lot and what I see a lot is we tend to fish in other aquariums. As, as preachers, right? We're fishing in other people's bowl. It's like when I hear churches advertising on Christian radio. Yeah. Like, who are you advertising yeah, to? Yeah. <laughs> These and, are Christians listening to them. And so we're fishing in, in, in aquariums. And then not only do we fish in aquariums, the other thing that I see that the church tends to do is we become hunters, where we're killing people and slaughtering people. And God has taught us to be fishers of men. And so one, I don't want to be the church that is always just beating you over the head and, and harming you in a way. But I also don't want to be the church that is just simply coming and dipping into your bowl, getting your people, because there's a whole world out here. I, I used to sell life insurance, and one of the things they talked about was the senior market was the best market for life insurance a few years ago yeah. because there's so many baby boomers. And when they started to look at how many baby boomers there were and how many were in the state of Ohio, well, if we got 50,000 people that need insurance, why am I still just talking to these same five or 10 people yeah. when there's 50,000 un- uninsured yeah. people there that are baby boomers? And so that started to help me even with this. Yeah. You said I'm a Christian entrepreneur, right? A pastoral entrepreneur. This helps me in this thinking of church planning that the saved people don't need me. Yeah. Uh, they need discipleship. And we'll disciple you if you are saved, if you do come. But we have a whole group of unchurched people mm-hmm. And I use the word de-churched people, people that are just tired of the same old, same old and haven't seen how their life within the Christian community has been affected for spiritual growth or for maturity or for whatever. And so we want to be the people that are catalysts for that. And not just, like you said, in our local body with yeah. a few of us, but a movement. And, and, and what's crazy to me is I believe that we're already starting that. Yeah. I've already seen how... For a church plant that has just a few 
uh, launch team members. And up until now, or not even now yet, up until next month, right, still no resources to, to go from announcing that I'm planning a church to two weeks later having an event, a uh, worship night with 150 people show up. That's amazing to me. Like, wow, how did these people even show up? Because I was scared. I didn't know what to do. Uh, then to move from that into some of the things we were doing in the community service realm and seeing how we've had an impact on that. And now what's funny is some of the people that questioned me leaving security and me leaving uh, comfort, now those same preachers, pastors, teachers, people from all over the world literally are calling me like, hey, I'm proud of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I know this has My to be bad. scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we see what's going on with you guys. Yeah. And they haven't even heard this yet. Yeah. And so, like, this is the next thing that's going to be crazy. Like, when they hear this, it's going to be like, what in the world is going on? Yeah, I always tell people, now you got resources. part of faith is saying, God, this is your mission. Yeah. Right? And, and it's saying, so I'm just going to assume you're behind it. I'm going to assume you're you're on the move, like you said you were going to be, and I'm just going to find that and and join into it. And I think that's that's what's happening here. And and I, I think that uh, is an an incredible in, incredible thing. So I just real quick want to land on this. A lot of our planners come to us, and they have a particular neighborhood in in mind, right? A particular, uh, you know, you your roots in this city go so deep, and uh, and your people, your launch team, really come from. A variety of places, yeah. right? So you're a little more fluid, a little more open. So just kind of talk us through, you know, you're thinking about kind of where does the Lord want us in the city and just, you know, I know you don't, we don't have answers yet and that's okay, but just kind of where your heart is uh, on that. Well, I, I, the, the answers, the easy answer I can give you first would be the east side of Cleveland because that is the where, yeah. where my heart is. Yep. Uh, when we originally were talking about launching, because we didn't have resources, we were looking at wherever we could find enough space yep. that would fit the people that we had, yep. uh, that would be within our budget. And now that's changing some because now I have the ability to think differently than I did yeah. before. Uh, but it will be on the east side of Cleveland, uh, prayerfully either in the Midtown area, possibly in the first district, which would be like Lee Harvard or up area because that's mm-hmm. where I grew up at. Yeah. Uh, so I have a passion for that area also. But the east side of Cleveland from Bedford all the way to Euclid, Somewhere I feel pretty comfortable with and as you stated my launch team we have about 30 people on the launch team now and the they all come from all over the city and even with the event that i was just talking to you about we have a worship night uh, once per month and so far we've been averaging over a hundred and some people that have showed up at worship night yeah, and those people the worship night has been in Solon yeah and people have come from all over the city to Solon. And when you live Solon. in the city Solon might Solon as well is be Nebraska yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it's 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 yeah. way out there it is but people have shown up and so we are confident uh that God will first lead us into a space that we can be most effective mm-hmm. uh but we do believe it'll be somewhere on the east side of Cleveland. and I just want to pick up it's probably a good place to land this podcast is is if you um have wondered as a member of Christ Community Chapel, you know, what does the Orchard program really do? How does it really help? I just want you to notice what John said. Hey, previously we were having to make decisions based on limited number of resources, yeah. right? Well, one of the things that Orchard does is comes along with planners and says, hey, dream bigger, right? Dream bigger, dream bigger. Don't make decisions out of necessity. Make decisions out of out of burden, out yeah. of vision, out of excitement. And, and uh, I think about all the momentum you guys already have when you were making decisions out of necessity, because you had to, right? Versus now being able to say, okay, Lord, wh- where do you really want us? We, you know, we can broaden our yeah. horizons. We can. And I'm one of the things excited. you said about needing more churches, you know, when I started uh, City Church in Cleveland, you know, we grew uh, to 500 people, and people would always say, oh, man, that's great. This neighborhood now has a church. 
then I would always say there's 55,000 people live in Cleveland Heights. Yeah. Right? So I'll praise God, we got 500 people coming. We got 54,500 of my neighbors have never come. Right. May never come. We don't need one church. We need 100 of them. Right? Yeah. We need, because each one of them is going to connect with a different group of people. And that's really what you're saying. Churches, yeah. praise God for churches like the church your dad has started uh, and pastor. Yeah, praise sure. God for that. But there are a lot of people out there and a lot of different people out there. And it's going to take different churches to reach different people. Yeah, and 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 we all have uh, similar menu items, right? Mm-hmm. But if you go to McDonald's here, if you go to McDonald's flavor. in Japan, yep. it's, it's different. Uh, same basic concept, but some things, like you said, the flavor would be a little bit different. And so prayerfully, that's what we would like to be. We would like to be uh, an alternative to some of the, what they may have seen before, uh, whether it be the way that we present, whether it be the way that we do ministry. Uh, and then we're really heavy on the service component. And so just trying to show people to have a heart of being for people. That's one of our like principles, being for people and showing people that we're for them. And we believe the best way we can do that is through the love that we show them. And so that's one of the things that we've been able to do that has been amazing, that has been great. And we're just excited because now... Uh, we make jokes that we've been doing this with like bubble gum and shoestrings, yeah. and, and now we believe that we'll have uh, resources to do something Praise different. God. And you're right, uh, God-sized dreams are so much different than what I can ever think of. And so this is what I encourage my team all the time too. Like we're not thinking big enough. Uh, I'm sure nobody on this podcast is going to know who I'm talking about, but there's a, a rapper by the name of Dame Dash. Right, Dame Dash uh, started Rockefeller Records with Jay Z. And he was recently on a podcast, and he said, if your dreams only affect you, that means you're not dreaming big enough. And if the church's dreams only affect our congregation, then we haven't dreamed big enough. We don't want to be just where we are being discipled, but we want to be disciples that are making disciples. So it becomes a movement, as you said. So we're not just in this one corner of the city. We want the whole city. Um, I want the whole state. Like, I want the block, not not just this house, but I want it all. And so I think that uh, trying to encourage them in that way to think bigger in ministry, to think bigger in uh, the way that we serve, and to think bigger in the way that we love one another, I think is what we've been talking about. Well, stay tuned for more information about uh, John and Revolution Church and uh, Lynn Trail and the church in in Euclid. Stay connected to Orchard. Make sure you get in our weekly uh, newsletter so you're getting all the information that we can give, and you'll start seeing these guys more and more around Christ Me Chapel. Be praying, and I always say, pray blessing over them, and and go ahead and put your yes on the table. We don't know how God's going to want you to play a part in their church plan, but go ahead and tell God yes. And if that yes is go, go. If it's give, give. If it's pray, pray. Find a way to be connected to what these guys are doing in Cleveland for the glory of God. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.